Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa. I'm your host. Before we get into the episode, though, please do me a favor. If you like, if you enjoy this episode, give me some feedback, leave us a comment, a rating, a review, or share it on your social media. It really is the best way to help us grow the show. I'm going to be talking about training, what kind of training is right for you, for your goals, why should we even be training, why should we be doing that particular kind of training, how you can recover the best from this sort of training, um, and then transitioning over into stress management, into hormones, how that is all linked together, really. So again, why should we even be worrying about training and physical, or I guess, energy expenditure? And to most of you, this is going to seem sort of like, duh, to be fit, to look a little bit more defined, etc. Um, but of course, for some others, it might also just be to burn calories. Well, on that note, I do want to bring up something which I think I have spoken about in a previous episode before, and that is just how is our metabolism or our energy expenditure really um, composed or what makes up the components of our energy ex expenditure. So when we talk about daily energy expenditure, that is the whole of the sum, that is everything together and that usually consists of about yeah, 50 to 70 percent is what we call the basal metabolic rate so what your body the energy that your body needs just to exist so that would be what you would need if you were just lying in your bed just breathing just i guess taking care of your organs um the connective tissue that you have, your brain functions, etc. And that makes up anywhere between 50 to 70% of your total daily energy expenditure. I'm going to refer to that as TDEE. That's what it's abbreviated as. <laughs> and 50 to 70%, that's a, a big discrepancy, of course. If you um, train a lot, then that percentage coming from your basal metabolic rate is going to be smaller because training makes up a larger percentage and if you're very sedentary then it's going to make up a larger percentage um because your training is going to take up less space if that makes sense the second biggest contributor to our base to our daily um energy expenditure actually comes from something which is largely underrated and that is called neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis so all the actions all the movements that we do that are subconscious and um, i'm saying that as i'm noticing that i'm actually scratching my arm and um, so that is a movement blinking is a movement breathing um or or i guess gesturing in general um you know normally when you're doing your dishes you're not necessarily thinking of that as an oh i'm gonna burn some more calories or as you're standing as you're sitting upright you're not necessarily thinking of that and all of that contributes towards your need nowadays um if you have become a little bit more conscious of the fact that that actually can contribute a lot to energy expenditure and the that line between subconscious and conscious might become a little bit more blurred so for instance since i have learned more about neat and just simply the importance and benefits of walking i'm a lot more conscious of like actually hitting a certain step goal per day or i'm making more of an effort to stand as i'm 
working and I'm recording this podcast, for instance. Um, all these kind of things, they kind of add up. Uh, but also particularly this, and this is, I'm, I'm tr- going to try not to talk too much about this, otherwise this episode is going to be really long. But this is actually some of the, or one of the most modifiable aspects of our total daily energy expenditure. So as we get longer into our, our diet, our metabolism is going to, um, or our need is going to decrease um, a little bit as well. We're going to become less inclined to be gesturing, to be walking around, to be sitting, we're going to, or standing, sorry, um, we're going to seek for more um, relaxation opportunities because our body is so aware of, hey, I need to conserve the energy and vice versa. Once we increase calories again, or if we go into a surplus, we might feel like we have excess energy and we have, um, you know, a lot more, we, we feel like we can do a lot more outside of our training as well. So that makes up anywhere between, you know, 10 to 15% of our uh, TDEE usually. Then the next um, factor from our training is normally somewhere between 5 to 15% um, of calories coming from uh, training as well. So in terms of energy expenditure, of course, that depends on how often you train, how intense you train, what sort of training you're doing, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about later on. And then the smallest portion of our um, TDEE contributor is the thermic effect of food. Um, Not that much smaller than the energy from training sometimes, though. and that means the energy that your body requires just to digest. Of course, that is higher if we have more things like protein in there. That is lower if we consume a lot more processed foods. Another reason why we want to consume more protein. Yay! So, the aspect that I haven't mentioned here, though, is that generally speaking, someone who weighs, let's say, 130 pounds and has a 20% body fat percentage is going to be requiring a lot more calories than someone who weighs 130 pounds and has 35% body fat percentage. The reason for that being that um, muscle mass is a metabolically more active, more demanding tissue. So simply to exist, it's going to require more calories. And that means if you have more lean tissue, you're, um, you're probably going to be able to consume more calories than someone who has less lean tissue. And of course, apart from that, we also want to have a higher muscle mass percentage or lower body fat percentage. Doesn't mean that lower is always better. There is a healthy range, but still a healthy body fat percentage, I should rather say. Um, because of all the blood markers that that means, but it also, um, of course, also just looks better if we're, uh, if we, we have more muscle definition, if we're shaped a little bit better rather than looking skinny fat. Um, and like there, the, 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 the amount of positive aspects and benefits from having, um, a healthy body fat percentage and a healthy muscle mass percentage is just incredible in the sense of longevity. So really that is why we don't just want to do cardio. Cardio training is great for obviously cardiovascular health, for heart health, for um, respiration and many other benefits, mental benefits and so on. But when it comes to aesthetic um, changes, weight loss, when it comes to um, looking 
a certain way that you probably want to look at the end of your weight loss journey or long term, strength training is of um, incredible importance because that is how we increase or maintain lean body mass. So everybody listening to this should be doing two to three strength training sessions per week ideally because one session usually is not enough to maintain a certain amount of muscle mass and um, it might be enough just to maintain depending on how experienced of an athlete you are the longer you have been training the less is required in order to maintain but it's probably not going to be enough to build a whole heck of a lot so two to three sessions and that doesn't even mean really hard strength training it could also be a pilates session it could be a body weight resistance uh, training it could be with a trx and um, just something where you're working with some sort of resistance in order to set that stimulus for that muscle to either grow or at least be maintained because your body is only going to adapt to whatever it needs to adapt to if you're not sending that stimulus then it's going to be like well you don't need me so i'm going to be shrinking as i said it's the most metabolically demanding tissue therefore your body is not going to be wanting to waste any energy especially if you're in a calorie deficit if you're trying to lose weight um, on the muscle mass unless it is required Therefore, like I was saying, some of the things that everyone should be doing as a baseline for sure, if you have any aesthetic but also health goals, would be aiming for roughly about, you know, eight to 10,000 steps a day um, in order to get that need to get that movement throughout the day in. You, it could also be acquired through house chores. Uh, you could also take a bike to work. You could make sure that you're standing up frequently throughout the day. Um, but then on top of that, doing two to three strength training sessions, at least 30 minutes um, per week. In um, regards to cardio, now um, it is not required to do any additional, let's say like actual run training, um, whether that is low or high intensity cardio um, for weight loss necessarily for most people. We can also just achieve that by manipulating the calories accordingly. So if your weight loss is stalling, simply reducing calories at some point, especially if you want to get to super, super, super lean levels like any bodybuilding competitors or bikini competitors, um, you're probably going to prefer to eat more and move more. Um, so burn more calories through movement and that's when they want to add more cardio in because it is um, you know obviously more energy expenditure however the thing to be careful with with cardio in long-term sight is that your body is so smart at adapting meaning if one the first week it felt really difficult to run 5k um, and you might have burned 400 calories doing so the next week it's going to feel a little bit easier and your body might only burn 350 calories or 300 calories doing so and the sign that it's getting easier means that your body is getting more efficient at doing such things so what do you have to do you either have to increase the time you have to increase the speed or the intensity or um, you have to, you know, constantly be varying it up in order to still get that same adaptation, that same calorie burn from it, if that's why you're doing it. Um, so wh why is that of an issue? Well, at some point, um, you're, it's not going to add that much more to your calorie expenditure. And the thing with 
strength training is we can manipulate that progressive overload a lot easier simply by adding more weight, by adding more reps. So in the end, we need to continue to challenge our body in order for it to adapt. Otherwise, it's simply going to stay the same. It's not Like I said, it's not going to adapt to a non-existent stimulus. We also always need to have that stimulus of progressively overloading. Um, does that mean you should just always mix up your training like kind of like with crossfit style training or anything like that and you can forego that mm, yes and no so um as many of you know i also come from a crossfit background i think that there it's a lot of fun <laughs> especially the community aspect um especially if you just want to you know show up to something after work or before work not really think about anything and just be told what to do I think it's awesome because it can introduce a lot of people to strength training to the basic lifts to um skill other skills like like pull-ups and so on especially a lot of women don't necessarily consider those kind of skills beforehand um and it's it's a great way to to be introduced to things like that the challenges with those things is often that it's sometimes too competitive I fell into that hole <laughs> if you're a personality that um, needs to be held back rather than pushed it can be difficult because you have all these people around you firing you on and telling you hey you should lift more you should lift heavier and of course if it's about the time if it's like as fast as possible as many rounds as possible you're going to be pushing hard and if you do that every single day for most people that also have a stressful life that is going to be too much stress overall and you either get injured, you kind of mess up your hormones um, and that can be tricky, especially if the programming on top of that is not done very well, which in some boxes unfortunately is the case. However, if you're smart about it or in things like Orange Theory or um, F45, etc., the issue sometimes is that we're not getting that progressive overload. You might always just stick with the same weights that you always use. Like in body pump, I used to, I've tried body pump and F45 myself also. And they're fun. They're a ton of fun, especially with the music and again, being pushed, being told, um, okay, rest, go and so on. Um, but yeah, again, you, I find you, you hardly ever um, increase the weights and many things there. Um, you don't get enough rest to actually push yourself when it comes to the strength component. And it's, it ends up being more of a just cardio workout with a little bit of resistance. Um, and again, the injury um, possibility is just very high. So the, the thing that I want to get to mostly here, though, is more the high stress on the body. So a lot of times I hear people coming from these classes and they say, I can't get rid of my lo lower belly fat. Why is that? I work out a lot. I push myself hard and so on. Well, too much stress usually means high cortisol levels. The body doesn't differentiate between the high stress from your CrossFit class, from your work, from emotional stress at home, um, or which you know, you know, good, good stress versus bad stress. It doesn't differentiate. It's all kind of stress. And then you might not be sleeping enough, um, or not eating as, as much as, as well as you should, or in, enough for your activity level. So all of that is stress. Therefore, cortisol is high. And usually that means we hold on to lower belly fat more. Why? Because your body feels endangered and therefore it's not going to want to um, risk its survival anymore by losing more body fat and particularly not the body fat that's around the organs keeping you safe. So that means lower body fat or lower belly fat stays. 
what can we do to counter that? Well, if we look at people that are like actually experts at losing fat and losing weight and still being in great shape, having beautiful muscular definition, and we do need to look at bodybuilders, at bikini competitors, whether you like the sport or not, or whether you even regard that as a sport or not. Um, but they hardly ever do hit sessions. And it's exactly for that reason, because it can too easily be an extra stressor and make you prone to more injuries and they don't want that so most of the time these people add more low intensity steady state cardio that means somewhere something where you could potentially even talk throughout maybe sounding out of breath but still um of course getting your sweat on and so on and then but then just having that steadiness it's a lot less stressful for your body for your joints and still provides that extra energy expenditure so when people do have stressful lives overall um and they want to lose weight they're in a low calorie state they already do their strength training they don't want to reduce food anymore then we usually add lists as a first method the only um, exception that i'll say there when women go through menopause and um, it can often be a very good thing to implement more of like sprint type training um skipping those kinds of things so so moving away from that moderate low intensity thing yes um strength training um really 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 important throughout many menopause perimenopause um but particularly in regards to cardio also having some sort of finishers maybe on the bike that is easy for your joints maybe a little bit of skipping um intervals as you warm up uh even things like sled sled pulls and drags and so on that's really great where we just get that heart rate up quickly but we don't have the big impact in the sense of that you have in, in crossfit with like 10 really heavy deadlifts and then doing something like um kipping pull-ups that are dangerous for your shoulders potentially as well or you know things like that that um are not as structured as something like a 30 minute bike sprint 20 second rest 30 uh, not 30 minutes geez <laughs> that would be long 30 second um, and and, and doing a few intervals of that um so again hit training does have its benefits but it really needs to be programmed very well um and and um it needs to be taken into co consideration what your current state looks like what your actual goals are is um is it are you just doing it for fun and that's why you love your crossfit and that's all good and you just want to be a well-rounded athlete but aesthetics is your not your main priority or um upon co consideration you're actually realizing well i really actually just want to look really good i'm going to pair that more with like lower intensity cardio because i do also want to be fit and i'm going to reduce that external stress um by removing a little bit of the hit um so nonetheless the main goal is of course as always something that um works for you that you can uh, works for you and your goal that you do enjoy in saying that though i will preface that that sometimes it takes a little while to start enjoying any new training mode um i when i first switched from crossfit to regular strength training i thought it was incredibly boring for the first few months until i saw how beneficial it was until i started feeling better sleeping a bit better and um, recovering better and i was like oh okay there's actually some truth to what people are saying so don't give up too quickly when someone is telling you that um scientifically speaking xyz might be better for you and your goal um 
And of course, also considering what is actually your long-term goal when it comes to injury prevention and health, because, um, you know, if you're currently used to exercising six or even seven times per week and you're like, oh, my joints already hurt, but I'm in my early 40s. Well, maybe we need to be looking at that and thinking about, is this really sustainable for you and your lifestyle? Um, I'm going to transition over into hormones and stress a little bit more so what are some other things that we can do to mitigate our stress of course first and foremost should be mentioned that um, how much you eat and your food quality are going to play a huge role there like huge 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 um, granted oftentimes we have the recovery the training goal at the same time as we have our weight loss goal so if we are in a calorie deficit, it's gonna, the recovery is automatically gonna take a little bit of a hit there. Um, however, we that means we wanna work with the minimal effective dose when it comes to our calorie deficit. We don't want to, if, if technically you would be losing weight with 1700 calories and you're like no I want to see weight loss really fast and you want to go down to 1200, that's probably not ideal for your hormones. Um, dieting duration also plays a big role so maybe taking some um, diet breaks in between or some refeed days in between to help and support your hormones really focusing on sleep um, and like I was saying food quality but again like when it comes to the hierarchy of recovery through food the amount matters most macros matter second and then food quality only comes third surprisingly so if you don't consume enough protein that is more concerning than if you're telling me oh but I did have the I do take my supplements consistently and I just like I have spinach and broccoli every day I'm like well that's amazing I love that but we really need to work on that protein overall type of thing sleep um really 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 important for our hormones and recovery as well so i guess i should uh, first also say like what are hormones actually hormones are the chemical messengers that are usually released by th throughout our body often by our our brain that communicate with the body so they travel throughout the body dock onto wherever they're supposed to so they have their certain receptors and some some receptors are only um available for particular hormone other receptors can be docked onto by a variety of hormones and sometimes we have things that mimic the hormones and dock onto receptors which we don't actually want because that throws off our natural balance but essentially, our body is always communicating um, with everything throughout the body. It's not just um, or your brain does this thing, your gut does that thing, and your muscles do another thing. No, we're always aware. Everything is always aware of everything that's going on everywhere. <laughs> um, and hormones are so, so amazing. But mostly when everything is going smoothly and they're being released at the time that they should, in the quantity that they should be and for us women it's often even harder because we have more fluctuations throughout the month um, with our cycle or lack thereof or um, you know post menopause as well certain changes uh, but generally there are more things to be considered than for men um, that is important when it comes to training as well because sometimes we think of hormones just like okay we have those certain 
muscle building hormones, we have testosterone, human growth hormone, um, and so on. Then we have separately, we have those sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, and then separately again, we have thyroid hormone, um, um, and so on. But in truth, they're all interconnected. So if your thyroid hormones are off, you're probably going to have a harder time building muscle or losing fat. If your thyroid hormones are off uh, or if your testosterone is off your sex hormone uh, or your human growth hormone is off, whatever, um, it might be impacting your cycle. Like everything is interconnected. If you And if you have too much of one thing, you sometimes don't have enough of another thing or it's overpowering the other thing. So once again, this is why we want to have a nice balance and why is this important when it comes to sleep or how does that tie in with sleep? Well, sleep is kind of a reset, a clearing out for, just to put it very, very simply, for for many, many things. It doesn't just clear out, um, I guess, the things that, that we most think of when it comes to training, like lactate or... Um, it's not just the time where that muscle actually grows and where we adapt. Uh, it's not just the time where we consolidate any learning over the day or any skills. It is also where we literally uh, clean out and quote unquote detox um, excess hormones or where we just simply like re-establish that homeostasis, that balance that the body is after. So aiming for a good amount of sleep seven plus hours per night is one of the best things that you can do for your recovery um not just when it comes to to training and muscular growth but also your mental recovery and simply resetting for the next day um and the seven plus hours will simply like a good quality sleep will will simply allow you to move through all the different stages that are so important each one of them is important for a different thing um when it comes to our recovery oftentimes particularly the earlier hours and in, in the sleep are more associated with um physical recovery so with um i guess the baseline because your body's always going to work up from what is most important for my survival and then what is the nice to haves type of thing so in the that doesn't mean that later sleep is not as important for for muscular recovery or training recovery but generally speaking the first few hours so if you go to bed later chances are you're going to feel that more in your body um let's say especially the first 2 3 hours of your sleep if if normally you go to bed at 10 and then on the weekends you go to bed at 12 or 1 you don't necessarily make up for that um in the same sense even if you end up sleeping longer, but it's just your biological clock is normally quite set. Whereas the later hours of your sleep are often more associated with um, emotional recovery, I'm going to say. So let's just say if your sleep is being cut short, if you usually get up at 6 a.m. and this time you're be you've, you were woken up at 4 a.m., um, chances are you're going to feel more groggy, you're going to be a little bit more tense um, more easily agitated um all these like mental processes of maybe forgiving someone of um all of that it's it probably didn't take place or not as well as it should have been 
Um, so yeah, that those are kind of the things, just long story short, um, prioritize your sleep, something I continue to work on, um, probably will be for a long time or for, for the rest of my life. I want to make it a priority, <laughs> should be making it a priority. Um, I, I have spoken about my issues with sleep or how it came to that with shift work and with overdoing it on cortisol and overstressing my body in previous episodes. I don't want to get more into detail than I already have. But I guess going back to the point of hormones, for us women, the beautiful thing, even though uh, hormones are more tricky to deal with when it also comes to, oh, what time of the cycle? Is it easier to lose weight? What time of the cycle? Uh, can I really push it in my training? Um, we should really be grateful for our fluctuating hormones for our cycles because it also is a little bit of a report card in the month that can show us when something is off or w if we've had a pretty smooth, pretty routine month um, or if it's missing altogether. I, firstly, I want to say is I hear you. I didn't have a cycle for a very long amount of time. Right now, I'm so excited that it's pretty regular. Uh, I did. I stopped taking the hormonal, uh, hormonal birth control in 2018 um, between 2019 and 2022 truthfully it was still very um on and off it, sometimes I'd, I'd have it a couple months in a row then it was missing again for a month and then I, you know maybe maybe on average about somewhere between four to six cycles per year and for the last year only it has been very steady now that I've also gone through um a surplus and kind of help my help support my hormones with that because I obviously overdid it in, in terms of the stress and not enough um, food supply before that as well. Um, so I guess what are some simple things or more simple applicable things that we can do now when it comes to hormones and when it comes to stress management but first I guess just speaking about hormones overall well, we can make sure that we're consuming the right amount of fats. And I spoke about this last um, solo episode where I talked about the minimum requirements. Um, generally, of course, as I was saying, eating enough, but this might not always be possible if you're going through a weight loss phase, but making sure you're getting high quality fats as well and that the fats that you are getting are not mostly coming from transfer fats or saturated fats and more things like polys and monounsaturated fats. For example, avocado, nuts, seeds, olive oil, um, salmon, uh, uh, supplementing with omega-3 fatty acids, other fatty fish or just fish in general, super, super great sources, um, whole eggs as well that can really support your um, your hormones. The other important thing would be vitamin D, D3 in particular, taking that combined with K2 in order to be absorbed properly. Um, vitamin D is directly involved in hormone um hormone function or hormone production it is often actually referred to as being more of a hormone rather than a vitamin um so please make sure you get your vitamin d in um and if it's not possible through sunlight or daylight which for most people it won't be make sure that you are supplementing and consuming that together with um something fatty so that it's actually absorbed properly um other things would be to consume some cruciferous vegetables that simply helps your liver and that your liver is directly involved in that detoxing of the excess hormones. 
Um, so consuming cruciferous vegetables like broccoli or cauliflower on a daily basis, uh, kale counts towards that as well, Brussels sprouts and so on. Um, other anti-inflammatory foods that will support your liver like uh, blueberries, like sweet potatoes, like ginger, um, turmeric, uh, those kind of things, super, super helpful. Um, and minimizing alcohol as much as possible is another thing that people usually don't like to hear particularly helpful during perimenopause and menopause, unfortunately. Um, aside from all of that, we can also make sure or try to keep uh, any hormone mimicking chemicals in our environment as little to, to, um, to a minimum, basically by reducing plastic in our environment, even, you know, things like Tupperware, if there is um, uh, like switching that to, to glassware, for instance, or switching the plastic coffee mug for, or, or even protein shaker, um, for stainless steel, for instance, um, other things like parabens, uh, in your skincare and, um, cleaning supply, switching that for natural products that, uh, don't have the, the, parabens that have the possibility to permeate through your skin and act like those hormones that we don't want to and then dock onto your hormone recept receptors, causing the other natural hormones to be floating around in your bloodstream, making it appear like you have an excess of that, especially when it comes to estrogen, that is often the case. Um, and then, of course, minimizing pesticides um, that we consume by kind of looking into what fruits and vegetables are worth being consumed um, or being bought organically. That's not the case for everything. You don't need to buy everything organically, organically in my opinion. Um, check out the um, environmental working groups list of the clean 15 and dirty dozen. That's the list of fruits and vegetables that are most heavily laden with pesticides and that that those are um those those are least heavily laden with uh, pesticides so don't have to be purchased organically and um, again that was the environmental working group so ewg.org uh, where you can find the list of the clean 15 and dirty dozen um a question that i often get when it comes to hormones also is um does intermittent fasting help our hormones or does it hurt our hormones? And that is super, super, super individual. I will say that for a lot of women in particular, intermittent fasting can hurt a little bit um, when it comes to the hormones, just because we are a little bit more insulin sensitive and, um, or we just generally tend to be more sensitive to the stressors around us and um, prolonging the fasting if it feels strenuous, if it feels like um, it's hard work to get to whatever hours you set yourself, then I will usually say don't. Also, the other thing is, of course, if you, if it prevents you from or, or makes it harder for you to hit your protein goal, I will also say at least have a protein shake. Or if it means that you're training and then you're not eating anything for two, three hours, I would also say um, you're better off having something small right after or soon after your training, just so you're helping that recovery process, not necessarily 
for the window of gains or anything like that, which doesn't exist, but more to help that um, you help your body switch into the parasympathetic, the rest and digest kind of mode, <clears throat> which is what we want to activate as soon as possible after our training. Um, other times aside from perimenopause and menopause where people often have a harder time um regulating their hormones is if we have um you know th pre-existing thyroid issues or PCOS endometriosis um autoimmune diseases and so on and so some in those cases in particular keeping um or reducing processed sugars and refined uh, flour dairy and gluten can often help your hormones a lot that is a very broad and general statement so see what works for you but i will just say like oftentimes trying that out on top of reducing or minimizing alcohol as much as possible can be a really really helpful thing to do um apart from that of course there are many many other potential supplements we can work with especially if women have come from or people uh, i guess in general have come from long periods of stress of perhaps even adrenal fatigue or fa adrenal fatigue symptoms overtraining symptoms under eating um over longer periods of time and then it can it can really really take a long time to a get your period back to be fine and dial in the right exercise levels and i have often found that um we really really need to be very patient here so if you have come from years and years of under eating or over stressing your body is not going to be quote-unquote fixed or forgive that um very quickly very quickly in the sense of likely not even months it can take a couple of years in many cases so if you think about your your body and your metabolism more as a friend and you treating it kind of poorly and you were like if your friend was waiting for you to you know deliver on whatever you promised them you, that you'd show show up at this and that point and for years you didn't you'd always cancel or you'd be late or you'd ditch them or whatever you wouldn't bring them enough of what you said you were going to bring the trust is going to be very very low so if like the same thing if you have been dieting for a really long time you kind of do a reverse diet and then you quickly want to go back into a calorie deficit i will say or in many cases nothing is going to happen or your body is going to rebel very quickly likewise if you are over exercising over stressing your body you're recovering a little bit and then you do something high stress again chances are your body is going to be super sensitive to that and maybe even for the rest of your life you're not going to be tolerating stress as well as you once did when you first started off with because at some point the body's just like nope not anymore i've learned from this i'm gonna be putting or stepping on the brakes earlier than i did the first times around because i know how much she's going to push it to otherwise and also of course we age so you know <laughs> things don't necessarily get easier as as we age um there are many other aspects we could be talking about here i feel like this is getting to a very long <laughs> lecture so i might be wrapping this up and talk about things like massage foam rolling um heat and cold exposure those kind of stress mediating things and particular supplements for stress mediation or for recovery in a separate episode and I, like i was saying another thing that um is going to come up is more talking about 
the intuitive eating approach when which might also be helpful for for women when it comes to stress management um however not so much when it comes to weight loss but we'll get into that more <laughs> um and of course something super exciting too and that should be mentioned um when it comes to stress management would be more mindset techniques um mindfulness techniques breath work etc so yes i'm gonna be wrapping this up just so that i can devote enough time and keep your attention in each one of those segments so the next episode is going to be a continuance of stress management but also incorporating mindfulness techniques um supplements um etc thank you so much for listening i hope you're enjoying this solo quote-unquote basics series it's kind of a little bit more detailed than really the pure um, pure basics but yeah thank you for listening again if you have any topic recommendations or topic um queries that you would like me to talk about please don't hesitate to reach out you know where to find me also on instagram always excited about uh, feedback and messages and i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day thank you for tuning in If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life, or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.